twenty, Euro twenty, Euro twenty twenty. Worldy, 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 worldy twenty, worldy twenty, worldy twenty twenty one. Hello, hi, <laughs> and welcome to the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast. Joel, that was maudlin and building intention, much like the knockouts of this year's tournament. I thought you'd like that. I uh, didn't prep you that that was going to happen. Nope, but it was reminiscent of a wonderful soundtrack to the film Donnie Darko. Indeed, from from eons ago. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Good. Glad. How are you doing, listener? How are you coping with this brave new world in which, if you're listening to us from the country that we're currently sitting in, you are pretty sure that there's a knock at the door? You go to the door. You open the door. Who's at the door? It's football. It's come home. Oh, right. I thought it was going to be COVID. <laughs> no, football's coming home. COVID can bugger off. It seems like we're saying that now. Yeah. Even though it's probably the case where it's at a higher point it's been for any... Let's do what everyone else is doing. Put your fingers in your ears. Put, uh, swab up your nose. And get tickets to Wembley. <laughs> Are you going, Joel? Am I bugger? Are but, you going? No, but you went... I remember you telling me... That you went to the 1996 Euros at Wembley. On my 10th birthday, listener, myself, my father and three friends. 25 years ago. Your dad could afford to buy five tickets. They must have probably been a tenner. Yeah, well, they were for kids. It was four kids tickets and an adult, innit? I bet your friends didn't even like football that much. They bloody well did. And we had a great time. What game? It was England 4, the Netherlands 1. I watched that game in bed... Me and my brother having been sent to bed, it being the style at the time (laughs) to send your children to bed at approximately 6pm. And we were allowed to watch it on an old TV that was we were given by my granddad, which was black and white and had a turning nozzle to change channel like a radio. Oh, love those old TVs. Which I think people were fitter then because you had to stand up to change the channel. Well, we did a lot of standing. We were jumping up on our beds. 1-0, 2-0. Is that the first tournament that you remember? Oh, without a doubt. Because I, I remember 94, the World Cup, when England didn't qualify. Well, we weren't watching that in my house. No, I remember. I remember I was allowed to stay up very late, it would have been. Uh, to watch the final between uh, Brazil and Italy. Won on penalties by Brazil. Well, forgive us for getting nostalgic, listener. <laughs> it's purely because we're going back in time remembering England games because they're still playing. England is still playing in this tournament. They've played a knockout game. They've played two knockout games. I don't know why you're surprised. We predicted they'd get this far. We also predicted that Netherlands would win. Listener, we're talking about the knockouts. We said we'd come back to you with a knockout show. Here it is. First on the knockout, Netherlands. I said they'd win it. I was dead wrong. Why would you let me make that prediction? I tried to stop you. <laughs> you were not happy about it. I said Italy. Italy, Italy, Italy. You said Italy were going to get knocked out by, uh, um, I don't know who, but they weren't going to get to the semi-finals. Belgium, I think. And then Belgium beat them. Yeah. No, they beat Belgium to get to the semi. No, that's what it was. You thought Portugal would beat Belgium and then Italy would beat Portugal. No, Portugal would beat Italy. Neither of those things happened. No. Turns out... I'm not a good predictor of what's going to happen. No, I mean, neither am I. I mean, I, 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 I let you make those predictions when I should have stuck to my guns and said Italy are good. That was the main point that we made on our list of 21 points in the pre- previous episode. Well, we'll come back to Italy, I think. Okay. But let's, let's circle back to the Netherlands. Yes. I watched the game with the Dutchman. Yes. We might hear from him in the break. Indeed. It was a sobering experience to watch a poor performance from a team that had been so exciting up until that point. What happened to Denzel Dumfries? He went back to Scotland. What happened to Gigi Wijnaldum? Gee, I don't know. And most importantly, what happened to Matthias De Ligt? Uh, He got sent off, Joel, in a sort of... It was an absolute... continental moment where there was one-on-one. He decided to jump into a tackle. Dead... Dead, wrong decision. Mm. Straight red card, I believe. Well, he just fell on the ball with his hands. Awful. Very strange decision making. I mean, he wasn't my uh, call for Continental. That was Frankie de Jong, if you remember correctly. But still, it was a bizarre choice to have made. Uh, and it did directly lead to the Czech Republic going through. Czechia. Czechia. Czechia complete with the Robert Pattinson of uh, of football. 
who is now this tournament's joint top goal scorer, five goals in five games. So for our listener, and they're in the pub, and uh, the Czech Republic are obviously out, as you probably well know, listener, but for our listener in the pub, uh, who's talking about the Netherlands getting knocked out by the Czech Republic and what's happened with Patrick Schick, how many goals has he scored? Five. Five. And who else has scored five? Ronaldo. And who is therefore ahead in the scoring charts? Ronaldo, because he also got an assist. So is that how it works? It's not on minutes played, it's on how many assists you got. Goals first, then goals and assists, then minutes played. Right. So Ronaldo is still technically the top goal scorer at Euro 2020. There are still rounds to go, Joel. Yeah, but I'm just establishing narrative here because I know what narrative you're going on. But like... Ronaldo is still officially the top goal scorer in this tournament. Well, I feel sorry for... uh, Shit, we've got off Holland straight away there. Sorry. (laughs) I think we covered it. But Czech won, so we should probably talk about them. They were walking on Memphis. Yep. Uh, Use that one, listener. Yeah, we'll but it's a bit late because bit now late. check her out as well. <laughs> we should on the last sixteen roundup. We didn't have the time. Um, so, listening, just in case you actually haven't, we're talking to you before the semi-finals. We thought that was a good time to check back in. Yeah, you'll, hopefully this will come out uh, in the morning of the uh, semi-final day. Uh, Two humongous games, Joel. What are they? Uh, well, first up, you're looking at Italy versus Spain on Tuesday night, and then you're looking at, uh, at a, a game between everyone's favourite Denmark. And everyone's favourite, England. I thought you were going to say the nation's favourite, Denmark, and then the nation. Sure, why England. not? That's what I should have said. Uh, that's 100% what I should have said. Well, look, so Dem- uh, so Holland, are our potential winners, went out. Uh, and uh, here is indeed a Dutchman speaking about his feelings. Hi, guys. It's uh, Ben here, Dutch correspondent. So it's a uh, half-time. Very interesting game to see. It's uh, it's going up and down. Um, some players training really well. I think Van Aanholt is is not the strongest at the moment. I think the Pai and Male are uh, are okay. Uh, but interesting to see what uh, what the second half uh, brings. So come um, up Holland, pak ze, even drie drie punten pakken en weer we door naar de volgende ronde. I think this was a pretty straightforward red card. He actually deliberately pushed the ball out of the way, so... So as a Dutch person, a very interesting uh, result. I think they lost a lot of of creativity. Um, I think the Czech defense was extremely strong. Additionally, a massive error from, from De Ligt, someone who plays it at Juve um, and then makes makes an error like this. So yeah, I'm, I'm just interested to see what's, what's going to happen now with the Dutch team, who's going to be the new manager um, and what, what kind of changes are, are going to be made also from an, an organisational point of view with the Dutch FA. So, Interesting times. What a shame, what a shame. And in the days since, Kyle, Frank de Boer, manager of Holland, has announced that he's done. Good riddance. He's leaving. Uh, did you see, uh, we haven't talked about it before the tournament. I, 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 we literally just said we'd be done on Holland after that little bit, but I'm going to ask, I've got more to say. Um, uh, did you see before the tournament, at uh, training, somebody flew a plane over their training saying uh, something along the lines of, for the love of God, Frank, play 4-3-3. Because Holland, in Holland, like the formation is 4-3-3. They invented 4-3-3. Johan Cruyff and Ajax and B- Barcelona, who Johan Cruyff influenced, all play 4-3-3. And he refused and played 3-5-2. Wow. Should have played 4-3-3. That's what, look what that got you, Frank. The sack. Yeah. Um, so, yes. So, Holland out. Um, one prediction we did get right, Kyle? Which? Denmark-Wales. Yeah. And we, we also had a correspondent for that game, a Welsh correspondent. Well, Welsh-English. Uh, let's let's have a little listen to something that he said. Okay, this is uh, Rhys Owen as a roving uh, correspondent. I'm at the London Welsh Centre after just watching the Welsh uh, the Wales-Denmark game with my uh, mother, Bethan Williams. Hello. And my father, David Williams, who is currently taking a tinkle. But mother, what did you just say there um, after saying, well, after I said that Wales are now out and England may follow suit on Tuesday? Um, Wales, it will now be Euro, the Euro. Yes, it will now be a European, European 20... 21. Yes, so at some point... 
a team in Europe will win. <laughs> yes, a, a, a team in Europe will win. I mean, that is a guarantee, is it not, Nathan? It is a guarantee. And which team do you think are going to win the Euros? I don't know anything about them, I'm sorry. Okay. That is Beth and Williams live from the London Welsh Centre after Wales just lost 4-0 to Denmark. Uh, we'll be back with my father very, very soon. And uh, did anything else happen? Okay, this is Riso and out on the road as a roving reporter for Absolute Worldy Podcast. Uh, now I've got my father, David Williams. Say hello. Hello. Um, after just watching the Wales-Denmark game, David, 4-0 against the Danes. How do you feel as a big Welsh supporter? Well, I'll do it in my honest voice. We were lucky to get nil. There's Your no... first joke of this snippet. I've got to say, the first 10 minutes, I thought Wales really were looking very, very positive, very close to scoring some, well, at least one goal with Gareth Bale, possibly two. And then that hymns and arias started singing, Bread of Heaven, the place was packed. There was a chance that Wales were going to do the, the, the undreamable. What happened? Not, not hymns, that long, hymn, hymns and arias started. Fucking Denmark scored. Okay, they'll have to cut that out, but fine. Oh, sorry. Uh, Denmark scored. <laughs> and from there, things got a little bit worse. Then uh, okay, Keefe Moore, Moore was, was sort of yellow-carded. Another guy called Rodent was... Uh, what's his name? <laughs> no, OK, wrap it up. Rob. So, and then just the whole thing. Only the whole but game. we were in the London Welsh Centre with, with Reese, which has meant everything, and, and Beth and my wife. So it meant everything, just being there. But unfortunately, we came second and we came... Mum, can we just get a quick question? What did you start doing midway through the first half? Meditating. Yes, mother started meditating midway through the first half. Um, thank you very much. This has been Riso in Roving Reporting for the Absolute Worldly Podcast uh, with the Wales versus Denmark game at the London Welsh Centre at Grays Inn Road, Hoban. And was there any kind of conclusion drawn? Uh, in case you want this, uh, I just quickly asked my mum if she still loved my father after being quite annoyed with his sort of persistent nagging and sort of overbearing sort of, where have you put the water, Bethan? Um, I asked the question, would you say that you still loved Dad, Mum? I put up with him a lot. What's your, what's your retort to that, Dave? I still love her and always will, always have. <laughs> there you go. So the salient theme of the knockout so far, Joel, seemed to be divorce. Holland have divorced their relationship with Frank de Boer. Mm. And hopefully our Welsh correspondent's parents will survive without divorce. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it didn't sound positive, did it? I don't know what it sounded like. Two people we don't know, so we probably shouldn't uh, cast aspersions. We can uh, cast aspersions over a game. We, the one game of the last 16 and the knockout stages we watched together. Uh, which was? Spain 3. Croatia 3. Yes, and, and, until 90 minutes. That was exactly what the score was. It was very exciting. We kept saying, no, no, it can't be. And then it was. It was one of those games where it often happens in my head when I'm watching a game that I don't really care what the score is, is that I just pray for the team that are losing to get to the point where they when they've equalized it's always so unlikely like mm. when you know sometimes i'm making a little bet and the teams are three one up and you're looking at the other they're thinking oh if i just put a fiver on it now on three three i mean it's like a 400 to one it's not going to happen but what if it did and when the fun stops stop well that i could have won thousands on this day joel <laughs> because spain were three one up yes and yet in injury time from the second half it was three three it was extraordinary, actually. It was, an, uh, it was a fun game to watch. And then, unfortunately, I feel like Croatia sort of burnt themselves out, as we've mentioned before, listener. And as I'm sure you're aware, having watched the games, their squad is not getting any younger. Uh, they seem tired. And Spain just kept knocking on the door, knocking on the door, and scored two goals in extra time. To link it to the other manager under pressure who eventually got the sack, Frank de Boer, Croatia's manager took them to a World Cup final. You know, he's a legend, a living legend. He seems reluctant to bring through the youth, the players that came on, to e the players off the bench, he made five subs, obviously, to, to equalise, were, were the new breed. And he just felt, why didn't he invest in some of those players earlier in the tournament? He thought the old guard would bring him through, but they didn't. Uh, I think we called that one correctly. Spain scored two goals in, in extra time, the last one from Alvaro Morata. Now, listener, I want you, if you're watching the semi-finals, to watch out in the Italy-Spain game for Alvaro Morata. Why? Because the man will never be happy, Joel. He will never, ever be happy. This is one of your personal uh, obsessions in football with that Alvaro Morata's a really sad man. He's just miserable all the time. He's either miserable because he's been tackled or he's trying to... He never smiles. He scored the winning goal in the extra time of a, of a not knockout game in an international tournament. Not happy. No, but I mean, he's also not happy because his family got threatened. So, you know, 
there's a reason for him to be unhappy. He, uh, Morata, listener, kept missing chances. Kept missing chances. He's kept, kept missing chances. And uh, that got you, didn't it? <laughs> He's kept missing chances. And uh, uh, as a result, hey, if anything, listener, this should make us feel better about being English. It's not just English football fans that can be grotesque. Spanish football fans threatened Morata's family, his wife and his kids, uh, on social media as a result of his poor finishing. Nevertheless, Joel, you've got to find joy where you can. And if you can't find joy after scoring a winning goal and then knock out the tournament, I don't know where you can. Well, uh, Morata, cheer up. Okay, we'll we'll agree to disagree on that one. Um... (laughs) So Spain are through. Spain are through. Are they good? Well, we we remain to to be convinced, I think, on Spain. I think everybody does, which also tells me they're probably going to win the whole thing. They score hatfuls of goals. Yeah. They make defensive gaffes. What's Spanish for gaff? That's I what I was asking you after Unai Simon just let the ball roll over his foot. The longest own goal I've ever seen. It was extraordinary. Pedri, 19 years old. Bless him. The, I mean, he's been very good this tournament, but the thing he'll be remembered for is scoring a, a, an own goal, Carl, from the same distance out as the longest goal was scored. Now that is mirroring. I mean, that's also, I nicked that from another podcast, but still, if you don't listen to football podcasts, you're listening to this going, how do these guys know these things? We steal the information from other people. <laughs> And apparently, don't even give them credit. Which podcast was it? Not going to say. Oh, my God. Other podcasts are available, but you're listening to this one. So that was a 3-3 after normal time 5-3 win. Mm. But later that day, that was a 5 o'clock kickoff. The 8 o'clock kickoff was 1-0 to Switzerland in the first half against France. Everyone's favourite for this tournament. Everyone's apart from me, apparently. Everyone thought France was going to walk this tournament. 1-0 down at half time. Oh, hello, I thought. Or, oh, bonjour, is what I thought. In the second half... I wasn't even watching the first half. I was busy doing the washing up. I turn it on, Joel, for a penalty. Not to France, but to Switzerland. You're thinking 2-0, you're thinking game over. I'm thinking, this is a tournament and a half. What a shock. Stepped up to take the penalty. Ricardo Rodriguez, famous for his left foot and a ponytail. And for being one of a number of Swiss players who has dual nationality. That's what I meant. He steps up. It's an incredible save by Hugo Lloris, the France captain. World Cup winning captain steps up and keeps his team in the competition, or does he? At that point... My wife, who was busy working in the other room, and had said to me, please keep it down a bit. I know it's an exciting game, but... Yeah, she's working, mate. She's working. Keep your, keep your I shit say, together. Lindsay, forget it. Come in, it's a penalty. They get saved, and I say, France is going to win 3-1 now. And she says, no, 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 come on, Switzerland is still winning. I said, no, trust me, that is the turning point. Where was this kind of seer-like knowledge when you were making the prediction of Holland winning the whole thing? Well, why was it Sia-like, Joel? Because France did go 3-1 up! This was, I think, the 59th minute or something the penalty missed. By 63 minutes, France were 2-1 up. They scored two goals within 90 seconds. It was unbelievable Unreal. It was It was a lot of fun to watch. It was very exciting. It was very surreal as well. So, obviously, I was screaming. Mm. Lindsay comes back in and says, I'm sorry, Did the, was the television throat? Were you playing a trick on me? She fits it. She literally couldn't believe they'd scored two goals in that time. She, it, and it was, it was unbelievable. To be fair, Carl, most of our listeners are going, yeah, well, Carl's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he can't predict anything. So. so it was 2-1. <laughs> yeah. And then Paul Pogba with potentially the goal of the tournament, Joel. It was a great goal. Edge, out, not at the edge of the box, miles back from the edge of the box. Bit of space. Was it a curl? Was it a leather? Kablam. How- it was just kablam. Paul Pogba kablammed in to make it 3-1 and did an unfortunate dance. I, I, I can't remember the dance. It was some sort of angular robotic thing that said to the world... Oh, that was good on radio. Carl just did a very impressive angular robotic dance, uh, which you'll have to take my word for. It was a bad omen, Joel. It was such a poor, un, like unimpressive, bit cringe dance that I thought, this is going to come back and haunt him. I hoped it would. Mm. To say I thought it would isn't an overstatement. The, they, they, the game was dead and buried. Yeah, that was the most exciting. That was it was it was sad, really. I was like, oh God, France are going to win this, but without any kind of collective identity, with just fantastic individuals. And then what happened? Well, then Switzerland scored, and then they scored again. So with two minutes to go in normal time, it was three three. The exactly same pattern as the game less than three hours earlier, Joel. One mm. nil to the unfavored team. One one, two one, three one, three two, three three. Twice. Uh, yeah, but in this time, extra time, Switzerland were no pushovers, unlike the Croatians. They kept it together. Um, you know, I think I think if any if Switzerland proved anyone wrong in this tournament, it was me. They scored goals. They played well. Shakiri uh, was ably supported by other players. Um, the Alpine Messi. Uh, the Magic Dwarf. No, don't do it. Um, 
I've been. It's hard not to. But he, Magic Dwarf, is unfortunately now out of the tournament. Shack attack. Um, anyway, no. But let's let's get to the point here. So it goes to penalties, and it is until the last kick. The best, one of the best penalty shootouts I've ever seen. Flawless penalties. Unbelievable Nine penalties. Nine out of ten. And then the player that I tipped to burst onto the world stage and cement his position as probably the best player in the world for the next ten years, Kylian Mbappé steps up to take the penalty and he looked for all the world. So it's one of my pet hates is when the commentators say like he looks like he's going to miss it, but he really looked like he was going to miss it. He looked like... This goalkeeper better just dive out of the way because I'm just hitting this right down the middle. Yeah. And what happened? He hit it slightly off to one side, but mostly down the middle. And Jan Sommer made it a Swiss summer for at least a game. You enjoyed that one as well. You're enjoying my stupid things I've been trying to think of a summer pun. Oh, that's hard to say. Summer pun. Summer pun. Summer pun. Um, And I thought of summertime sadness but they won so it was summertime happiness in uh, summer summer summertime yes because it was extra time (laughs) and then there was more summertime in the next game because Switzerland got to extra time again in the quarterfinal and to penalties again to Spain yes but this time the Spanish won out The, the Swiss penalties were terrible this time I don't quite know what happened there I felt sorry for summer yeah, he was trying his best. I might say he is the goalkeeper of the tournament, apart from maybe one other, which we'll come to later. Yes, in the, in the entire second half of this bloody podcast. Uh, we'll jump ahead there. There's still some last 16 games to cover, which we will do so after this. At work, everybody's shouting at me to do it. I get paid lots of money, yeah, millions to do it. So, yes, uh, end of the last 16. Um, Sweden was a shame. A shock. It was a shock. Yeah, well, to be fair, they had a man sent off in extra time. So Ukraine equalised late on. Uh, Sweden, I thought, were looking great. Um, Forsberg is a Fors to be reckoned with. And uh, again, you're... That was was nearly perfect. Forsberg to be... Forsberg reckoned... No. Forsberg reckoned with. Doesn't work. (laughs) Doesn't work. I also need to stop enjoying the fact that you're enjoying my puns today. Would you say he used the Fors... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but uh, Sweden were good. I thought Sweden were really good. I think you undersold how good they were uh, in the previews we did. Um, but they, yeah, they, they they had a man sent off, and from that point on, Ukraine were knocking on the door in extra time, and they knocked them out. They knocked out the door so hard that the Swedes fell out of it. Yep, that happened. Um, uh, and then the other last sixteen game, Kyle was. Uh, we've also obviously mentioned the Danish still riding that Danish wave, riding that Christian Eriksen emotion to knock out the Welsh. They battered the Welsh. They battered them. Uh, you know, they nearly ended a marriage. Um, I've never tasted a battered leek, but I don't think it would be quite nice. No. And then um, to do run 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 to do run run to do run 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 to do run run to do run 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 wrong. He uh, he got knocked out by the Belgians. Not my call. No. You, you you predicted it the other way around. He was just on such a crest of a wave that I thought, there's no way he's not going to dominate this game. He didn't even score. No, he didn't. The Portuguese did not score. Portugal got knocked out by the... Will they still be the number... That's an interesting question that I, I don't know the answer to and I don't know if you will. Will they still be, Belgium, having only got to the quarterfinals, will they be the number one ranked team in the world, as the commentators keep reminding us? Yeah, they, uh, they definitely won't reclassify, recalculate that to the tournament. It's if over. Brazil or Argentina win the Copa America, which we're not talking about, will that change things? I don't think it will change things until September. Right. So Belgium will still be the number one ranked team in the world. And they kicked out Portugal with the number one ranked player in the world. Discuss. And they were the holders. It's always nice when the holders go out, John. Yeah, well, also, the, you know, from the, set, from the big old group of death, Germany, Hungary... France and Portugal, the world, the world champions France and the European champions Portugal knocked out in the same round. What about Germany? We'll come on to Germany anon. I want to talk about the quarterfinals first. Let's do it. Um, I want to talk about probably the best game of the tournament, Italy versus Belgium. I didn't see it. What a game. Listener, uh, if, you can, if, you, if, you're, if you're like me and you like watching football highlights for days after games, I suggest you go and watch the highlights of Italy versus Belgium. Some of the football played in that game is some of the best I've seen in a very long time. The athleticism, the skill, the desire, 
And then all capped off by two excellent goals, one dodgy penalty for Belgium. And and then finally, uh, when people ask you and I, people who don't know anything about football, ask you and I about this whole Italian reputation in football thing. I say, oh, it's, you know, they... They've got this reputation for this thing called Catanaccio, which is about defending and about, you know, scoring a goal and then being impossible to break down. And they've also got a reputation for dirty tactics. The final five minutes of of injury time in that game were amazing. Every single Italian player fell over and pretended to be injured at one point or another. They were kicking the ball away. They were moaning. They were standing in the way of free kicks before and getting yellow carded. The keeper pretended to be injured at one point, to the point where they were warming up the subkeeper and then miraculously he was fine. It was brilliant. It was all of the dirty, dirty, dirty stuff you want. Even but even earlier, uh, just before Italy scored their first brilliant goal, uh, the striker Chiro Immobile uh, was trying to get a penalty and he was down in the six yard box and he was writhing around on the floor holding his leg Uh, (laughs) and then Italy scored whilst he was on the floor still writhing still writhing and he looked up looked at the linesman looked at the referee jumped to his feet and ran to celebrate with his teammates it is disgraceful but also I love it entertaining yeah. If if it gets to a stage where they're in the fi- they are the finalists, it's will they follow this gung ho attacking football approach, or will they revert to this these dark arts? Does this make Mancini the Cerberus Snape of football? Why not? Well, no, but I guess he teaches defence against the dark arts, so maybe it's Gareth Southgate. Oh God, will you stop trying to push us onto England early? We'll get there. Okay. So the other quarterfinals. Um. Uh. Well. I mean, good golly, Miss Molly. Uh, I don't know where you go with this. Good golly, Miss Molly. The Spanish getting through that penalty shootout against Switzerland. Uh, and of course, our last episode was called We're All Danish Now. I'm feeling pretty good about the Danes. I don't know about you. It's uh, it's looking like a Danish day. The Danish girl. Danish prince. I'm trying for anything here. The Danish girl is a movie. Yep. Uh, Danish bacon is a thing. Yeah. Um... Thomas Delaney, the man who I said was more more Danish than the bridge that joins Denmark and Sweden by half, yep. scored the goal. Yes, he did. Um, Denmark have been good, question mark? Well, we talked about their unlikely tournament win in 92. Mm. And this one, when they lost their first two games, again, with my betting hat on, my poor betting hat, it's got holes in it. It's a bit flea-bitten. It, it's, it's not a nice hat. Um, don't wear it. <laughs> wear it sensibly. Campbell responsibly. Um, if you'd have put a bet on them to be finalists and winners when they were lost their first two games and everything that happened with Christian Eriksen, you would have been laughed out of the betting shop. That is true. Uh, or they would have laughed you in. So yes, yeah, yeah more like somebody down. That's, that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so Denmark are in the semi-finals. Spain are in the semi-finals. They're not playing Denmark because they are playing Italy, the team that I tipped to win. Um, but all three of those teams have had ups and downs. Italy struggled, actually, with the game we didn't talk about uh, against Austria. The one Nearly game we didn't goal. talk about. A winning goal for Austria in the last minute. Yeah. Just offside. It's yeah. fine margins, Joel, Italy, between falling out and winning. Italy struggled against Austria, but they made it through uh, uh, and otherwise have been pretty imperious, especially beating Belgium. Um, Spain, nobody seems to know with the Spanish. Anything could happen. If Morata gets his scoring boots on... Uh, and according to you, cheers up. And according to me, doesn't worry so much about his family uh, being attacked. Uh, he'll be, I think Spain will be a real, real chance of getting to the final. And Denmark are on the crest of an emotional wave. Anything could happen with them. But there is, of course, listener, one more team in the semi-finals. Germany. No. Ukraine. Almost. Why? We'll get there. Uh, I feel like I've forced 25 minutes of talk about other things on you. Do you want to now do 25 minutes on on uh, a man without a waistcoat? Yeah. We are a team, a team of men. We play football and we're gonna win the cup that everybody covered. So it's big, shiny and it's made of gold. That's right, listener. In our little knockout stages update, just a little quick little... Uh, Fun bit of analysis for you for this amazing tournament. Some shocks, some spills, some great teams through, some big teams out. One team remains. Oh, really? There's only one team left. One team remains from a country where we live. It's England. <laughs> it's it, it. You can't really say it's coming home because it's already here. Because all of England's games, apart from the quarterfinal, have been at Wembley, the home of England. English football, obviously, the home of England is England. 
Yeah. But they've made it to another semi. Three years ago, it was the World Cup. It's the European Championships 2021. It's England in a semi again, Joel. Where were you for the England-Germany game? I was at home on the sofa. I had a gin and tonic. Might even have been slimline tonic. I'd run out of lime, so I actually had to slice a lemon. And I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan. Yeah, it was quite fun. It was very chilled, very relaxed. I, I sort of went, oh, oh, when Sterling scored. And then I went, oh, when Kane scored. Uh, where were you? I was in a pub. <laughs> I wasn't in it. It was a roof garden of a pub, mm. which had a sort of corrugated plastic covering bit for one corner uh, and a sort of raised uh, decking so it was covered from the rain and it was a very rainy day on and off that day and there was a telly uh, attached to the the wall of the pub we tried to move the telly as soon as we arrived so we could move all the tables out of the way and create like rows of seating much like a bus um the telly nearly fell off of the uh, unit and then a man came out and said what have you done we were still 25 minutes away from kickoff i i should say i watched it with our middle eastern correspondent uh, joseph dyke and Lindsay, my wife, and strangers, which from, people said to me, why would you watch a game that you really want to watch with strangers? And it's hard to explain, Joel, but I feel watching football with strangers is the closest thing to watching a game at a stadium that I can find. You don't go to a stadium to watch football with your friends, and that's where I really connect to football. Yeah, and also watching England with me is is not, not as fun. Um, oh, they scored again. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Uh, well, this I'm week's sure, going to be shit. Well, I'm sure that um, all of the uh, all of all of the behaviour around that game was proper decorous and very very calm and uh oh hold on i think i've got some um got some found audio footage from that from that uh, time in the pub England! Um, i i'd like to wish the uh, sincerest retirement to joe shimlow he's uh he's been an outstanding <laughs> I would have liked us to score four. I hate Harry Kane, but like he came up with the goods. How did the Chelsea players do tonight? Did they perform? Fucking legends. Absolutely, they're all legends. Champions League winners, go on, Chelsea! And I would have liked Germany to score three, because that would have been more dramatic. So basically, uh, Gareth Southgate delivered a tactical masterclass, and he played tournament football until the 75th minute when he was like, unleash! I like the France and Switzerland game. And I, 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 yeah, that was my priority. And we scored two goals, then we won, and it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. We're going to Rome, we're going to Rome, we're going, England's gonna Rome. Anyone know how Wales got? Well, that sounded horrible. Okay, disclaimer, <laughs> disclaimer there, disclaimer, uh, I didn't know those people. <laughs> Um, so one, we probably shouldn't keep it in the recording, but by keeping them anonymous and nameless, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And two... So we've not ruined GDPR. They'd, no, no one knows who they are and they probably won't listen to the podcast. And two, I did ask them for their thoughts and they were happy to give them, Joel, because England won 2-0 against Germany. The first time England have won a knockout game in, in regular time mm. ever. They, they made English hearts smile and they made German children cry and it turns out that if you cry at football and admittedly thousands of trolls then uh post horrific things about you uh including your image as a child it turns out that that's a really good way of getting thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds hang on what happened i don't know i don't know i don't know this so uh uh you may remember listener that a small child was pictured crying a small german child crying in her father's arms it was very sad uh, and the commentator said, oh, you never like to see that. Turns out English fans love it. Uh, posted a lot of very disgusting, very despicable, really gross stuff uh, on Twitter. About her and her father and her country. And can, as- can you, because can, uh, I, I didn't know this. I, I saw, obviously I saw the image. And I'm, I'm, I just, I know I shouldn't want to know what they said. No, I'm not going to tell you either. You can look it up. Was any of it even like witty? No, of course not. Can, can you ever make a joke about a, tri- a crying child? Probably. I think the answer is yes. Yeah, probably. If they're crying about dropping a lollipop or something. But if you're going <laughs> to turn it into xenophobic ranting, probably not. Um, was it something like Barney A. Stormer? Yeah, yeah, it was a lot like that. Uh... <laughs> so somebody started a crowdfunder for this 
child. For what? To get them Germany to win? Uh, to make them cheer them up. With money? Yep. That's and bullshit. £30,000. £30,000? What is she going to do with that money? That's not fair. She, you should... No, that's encouraging loss. No. I mean, I... The German public would be appalled. I, I obviously was on the side of, of the young girl whilst everyone was posting these horrible things. But I do think it's a slight overreaction for the general populace to then donate all this money to a crowdfunder for her. Was it a British crowdfunder? Yeah. Well, there we go. That's the real spirit of England. I think I might have read it was a Welsh guy who set it up. Was it a Welsh football correspondent, Reese? It might have been. Reese, if it was you, well done, mate. Um, So, yes. uh, So, so German German tears, uh, apparently, worth their weight in gold. And uh, so, England got through that game. uh, To, as we thought, play Sweden. But no. It was not to be. For Sweden, as we've discussed, were knocked out by Ukraine. And I I honestly, we can talk about the style of football they're playing and all of that stuff in a second, because I know you want to. But um, I went into the Ukraine game thinking they'll be fine, which is not an often uh, a thought I have watching England. Mostly I think, oh my God, that was bad. Uh, but they, they seemed all right. I was just like, they're going to win this. It won't be a problem. I got pretty used to that in the World Cup, to be honest. When we were playing Sweden in the quarterfinals, I thought, well, we're going to win this game. Colombia? Penalty shootout? Well, we watched that together, Joel. And I, the, one of my thoughts, whilst having beer and people thrown at me in the, in the Germany win, was maybe we should have done another podcast with the girls from Plunge Theatre, because that was historic. England winning a knockout penalty shootout. For the first time ever. Mm. And then England winning in the Euros in the knockouts the first time ever. But I did think this needed a bit of plunge theatre. Uh, but we couldn't. It wasn't to be. It wasn't to be. And plunge, I'm sure you're listening. Sorry. Where, where the hell are we? <laughs> where did you watch a Ukraine game? Uh, at home. Uh, I had a gin and tonic. This time I had some limes. Thank God. Uh, and some ice. I didn't have ice the previous time. You, ah oh man, so you I and had, your gin and tonics without ice. It's yeah, gross. So I had my, well, I keep my gin in the fridge. Keep yeah. it cold. Yeah, but you... Uh, yeah, I keep my gin and my tonic in the fridge. This time I had, uh, I actually had some elderflower tonic. Some, uh, uh, it was very nice. It was very fruity. Um, I had some lime in there, some ice. Um, I was tempted to put black peppercorns in because someone told me that's really interesting, but I didn't do it. Um, and um, you thought, I'll push the boat out. It's an England quarterfinal after yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, these don't come around every day. And my local shop's been doing, you know, the big bags of, of kettle chips. I'm going to stop you there. Joel, <laughs> I, I nearly missed it. What? So but you love England, but girl. I was at work, oh. and and you know, like when you you know when you're in a rush and public transport just feels like it's going out of its way to stop you getting where you want to go. So I had to get off miles away from where I lived, and I had a decision: do I get a cab, a black cab, probably the only thing I can get, or do I run? I looked around for a black cab, and I thought, Kyle, it's ten to eight. On a day that England are playing, you're not going to get a cab in Crouch End to get home. So I ran. And as I was running down Middle Lane, London fans, you might know Middle Lane. Even you won't. No one knows where Middle Lane is. I was running down it and I could hear people, set, literally I could hear through their, through their front windows, settling down. I could hear, I could hear God save the Queen. I was literally pegging. I was probably even... uh, the glass clinking gently in my, uh, the ice, oh, damn it. The ice clinking gently in my glass. In glasses all over this nation. And I... I wasn't wearing running clothes. I was getting very puffed out. And then I was like, well, it's okay. It's okay. It's only about five minutes in. And England never score early in important games. I got home. Lindsay screams down to me. It's 1-0! Gutted. Gutted. And sweaty. Uh, So you missed the best of the four goals? Was it the best one? I think so. That Raheem Sterling pass was pretty great. Oh yeah, that was a worldie of a pass. Yes. Can we have a moment for Raheem Sterling in this tournament? We have been such loyal supporters of Raheem Sterling for so long. Uh, uh, and even going into this tournament, there was he's not had the best back end of the season with Manchester City. There was clamour against him starting. Uh, he remains, I think, England's debatable best player. Uh, he's so exciting. His vision, his speed, his ability when the ball's at his feet. He he scares people. I think he scares defences and I love him for it. Listen, also don't forget, tell everyone you know, tell everyone you can. That boy grew up viewing the Wembley... Actually, when he was born, it was still the Towers. But he he basically was a child when they were knocking down the stadium, building the arch. Yeah. He grew up within the shadow of that arch. He's a Wembley boy, through and through. Um, love him. Uh, no, I thought his assist for that goal for Kane was great. Uh, and actually, he took his goal against Germany very well. Uh, and then the other three goals were all headers. Were they not? They were. 
Some wonderful set-piece work, Joel. I think we've scored more set-piece goals than anyone else in this tournament. That's pretty impressive. And that is very a very good position to be in going to, into this sort of, what do you call the... Uh, the business end of a tournament. I mean, it's very much the business end. There's only three games left. Because you're a threat all over the pitch. You're a threat when you've got the ball at your feet. You're a threat at set pieces. That's a corner or a, or a free kick, listen, if you don't know what a set piece is. It's a, a, when the ball is static and not in play. But what I think was most interesting uh, was how pragmatically dull England have become. Because even in beating Germany 2-0 and scoring four goals against the Ukraine, it's not like watching the Italians this tournament or even the Spanish at points because both the Italians and Spanish have actually had some problems in defence, although Italy have only conceded uh, twice. But um, there's a flamboyancy about the way they pass and the way they press. It's very modern football that they're playing. England, it's reactive. It's a bit stodgy at points. It's a lot of sideways passes. But that pragmatism, in, a, in the positive use of the word pragmatism, is getting them through games. It's how you play tournament football. That, remember that Brazil team that I spoke about right at the start of this episode? They weren't the flashiest Brazil team. And Italy, who got to the final that year, were terrible. But if you just grind out results, if you are just reliable enough to beat Ukraine 4-0 and it never look out, never look dangerous, that's how you win a tournament. But, okay, so you've said in this episode the term tournament football, and you also said it in a couple of episodes back. What do you mean when you say playing tournament football? I think it's, well, there's two aspects to it. There's the aspect that Southgate's doing very well, which is having a team flexible enough to play different formations against different teams. So if you're playing a team that you know, keep the ball well in midfield, and you want to jam-pack your team with midfielders to try and stop that, you do it. But then the next game, you're playing a team who've got weaknesses in the fullback, so you play high up wing. You know what I mean? So being flexible enough in your decisions. But more than anything, it's taking your chances. It's not being gung-ho even when you're playing weak opposition. And it's, with Southgate at least, it's sticking to one thing through the tournament, which is two defensive midfielders who can both pass the ball a bit and hoping like hell that you win at least 1-0. Just winning. Playing to win. There's no sense of trying to play a brand of football. I would also say, Joel, it also helps if you don't concede a goal. And England in this tournament, have not conceded a goal. Only one team in the history of knockout tournament football has ever played five games in a tournament without conceding a goal. And do you put that down to England's extraordinary number one, same number one that we sung the praises of in the World Cup in 2018, Jordan Pickford? Yes. He's made a couple of good saves. Stones has been great. The defensive solidity, Maguire coming back in after that first game when he was injured. Slabhead. Yeah. His goal was pure slabhead. It was It was pure almost a, the, an absolute carbon copy of the goal against Sweden in the quarterfinal from the, from the World Cup. Uh, actually, Carl, I've got a surprise for you because somebody has written a, an excellent song about slabhead that I will play you now. Maguire scores tonight. We love slabhead. Football's coming home. When Maguire scores tonight. We love Slabhead, football's coming home. Or it could be 4-0 England, football's coming home. And then you get to do the whole da, 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 da. And they would love that, the fans. Hold on a tick. That was you. Yeah, I just think he deserves a song. And like, the songs we had from the last sort of feel-good tournament, the World Cup, we don't, we've got the football's coming home again to the tune of Atomic Kitten uh, about Gareth. And then just football's coming home, which we already knew. Well, I mean, the problem with that slabhead one is it's quite long and complex. What I really needed was somebody uh, to send me uh, a shorter, a very quick, short, you know, short lyrics, uh, possibly on the night uh, when England beat Ukraine. Uh, let's see if I've got anything. How do you like it? How do you like it? Sure, sure, sure. How do you like it? How do you like it? How do you like Luke Shaw? Well, it's short and to the point. That was uh, Lindsay, my wife, and friend of the pod, ex-guest, Ashraf Edgebear. Uh, um, I, I, uh, listen, Luke Shaw was great and has been great ever since he came into the team. Lest we forget, did not start the tournament. Kieran Trippier started playing at left back, but he has grown into the tournament, Luke Shaw, and he's crossing the ball. Like, I don't watch Manchester United that much, but he's crossing the ball with aplomb. Three assists, Joel. He's pushing for top assister of the tournament. Is there a golden... What would it be? A golden pass? <laughs> a golden... 
Yeah, I mean, how can you go, if the if the top scorer gets a golden boot and the best goalkeeper gets the golden gloves? What does the best provider of goals get? Tweet us at Podcast. <laughs> Please tell us a golden shawl. But that's what you hope. Um, right, so I think that in forty minutes was pretty good, Carl. I enjoyed it. Um, we've not really touched on a lot of our how of our uh, our sort of picks, our Barnier Stormers, our Continentals, our. EU pulls uh, have have done, and also we've not really gone back into our um, you don't says. Um, but we will, listener. We will return after the final. Carl, I'm going to ask you some questions in a second. Hold that thought. We will return after the final. And we will sum up this entire tournament. We will round it off by literally going over all of the things we told you would happen at the start and seeing if they did, giving you new things, giving you those factoids to take you through to the start of the Premier League season in but four weeks' time. Kyle. Yes? We're not going to see each other now until after the final. Can we also do a team of the tournament? Yes, we'll do all of those things. We'll Great. do everything that you want. We could have said that off there. Italy versus Spain. Yes. Prediction. Okay, um, I would like Italy to win because of the narrative that we started with their silly team announcement, them all playing Padel with frying pans. Who'd have thought that team might go on to win it. I'd like to see some more dark arts, but I'd also like to see some nice attacking football, which both teams would offer. They both score goals, Joel, but my heart says Italy. I would like to see Spain turn up a little bit more than they have done. I think they've been good, but I don't think they've necessarily been great. They've kind of got here by the skin of their teeth. I think I'm sticking with it. Italy are good. Italy will get to the final. Now, here we go. It's Wednesday at 8pm. It kicks off somewhere in Denmark at home with his partner and his kids. Christian Eriksen is sitting on the sofa. He's cheering for his Danish boys. Will he be disappointed? No, he won't be because they will, they're going to play, as they have in every single game, an incredible team game. They're going to give it everything. And if we were to lose to anyone, and I, I use we in the, in the English way, I am English, um, it would be Denmark. So it's a shame it couldn't be the final. But Joel, Joel, let's be serious for a minute here. When we did have those girls on on the pod, the Plunge girls, and we won that game, a new reality of being an England fan opened up to me, which was, oh, I can like this team and we can win. There's no one in this team that, as a nation, we're supposed to think, well, they're a twat. Or there's there's sort of club rivalries breaking us apart. Yep. London fans hating the Northwest players yep. and hating them right back at none of that. Genuinely likable team. Likable boys, likable manager, a man we could be proud of, a man that who's sort of in the main his philosophies I can get behind. I even like their social media manager who today tweeted out a picture of Bukayo Saka on a unicorn uh, swimming float. And said, we know you like making memes, England fans. Try making one with this. But Pete's tweeted it out on a white background and didn't make it transparent, which made it very hard to take out in Photoshop. <laughs> they, they really love getting out those unicorn blow-ups. Yeah, they do. Um, exactly, Joel. I like them. It's hard to dislike them. And it, that you, don't f- it, you feel less bad about liking them. I still manage it somehow, but that's nothing to do with them. That's something to do with uh, uh, a lot of the circus surrounding them. Oh, yeah. And also, like, I've we've got friends who aren't English um, and have to live around a lot of English people and they are dreading a win, not because of their friends and the way they'll behave, but because they, there's a fear mm. that we're just going to go feral. Yeah. And all of the bad sides of being English and being a football fan are going to merge together. Like, it's going to have this sort of toxic rebound effect like Brexit where it's going to it's going to schism. No, I don't, I don't feel that as acutely. Maybe because, that is a, because I am a football fan. But I'm just thinking about how excited my dad is, who cannot... I've never seen him care, really, about England or like them because he's always had a lifetime of disappointment, of which we've also had up until maybe three years ago. Yeah. Disenfranchisement. Uh, 96 was fun. But what people forget about 96 was uh, to get to that Germany game, England played one game against Spain, which they won on penalties. Yeah. they, they, they After the group, the, the previously not expanded Euros, there was only one game between the the group stages and the uh, semi-final. So it wasn't exactly at the new dawn that everyone was... Well, that England team didn't win a game to get to the semis in the knockouts. This England team have won two. Yeah. So... My... Listen, I agree with you. I, I do agree with you. I, I, I quite like playing this role on this podcast of the person who doesn't really like England, but of course I want them to win. Do I think they will? 
Yes. I think it will be England versus Italy in the final. Just for narrative, like just to get, just to not have another semi, to have a final, even if we lose the final. Okay, well then I'm putting you on the spot. England versus Italy on Sunday. Do England win? And just be honest. Don't go heart, don't go head, just be honest. It's Dumbledore versus Snape. Snape is Mancini, Dumbledore is Southgate. I think even our non-football listeners got that. Mancini did kill Dumbledore, bear in mind. Mancini killed Sorry, I got my metaphors mixed up. <laughs> it's very mixed. So therefore, we're all gonna our world's gonna be torn apart by by the Snape of football, Mancini, and England might not win. But I do think if we get there, we will win. Okay, that was a multi-answer. I'm I'm sticking to my guns. I think Italy will beat Spain. England will beat Denmark. Italy England final, and I think Italy will squeak it. It'll be two one in the last minute, and Italy will just do everything that they can in terms of diving and falling over and, you know, pretending that they're, they're injured in order to win the game. So, so but can, before we wrap up, yeah. can I ask you this? Because this is a conversation I had at work and I want to bring it to you. And I would also like our listeners to tweet us and to get in touch with us. Apart from football, what do English people have that is English? Because all the other nations of Britain have that they're not English as mm. part of their identity. Yeah. All I can think of genuinely is Morris dancing. That's not anything else apart from English. It's not Welsh. It's not Scottish. I'll think about it and we will open on Monday when we record our next episode after the final. I, we will open... I'm not saying we deserve anything more. No, we will open with it. I mean, uh, I, uh, I know exactly what you mean. I don't know the answer. Uh, colonially, I understand why the, the Irish, the Northern Irish, excuse me, the Welsh and the Scottish feel that one of the things they have is not being English. Sure. I don't know what the answer is to that question. Maybe our listener does. Tweet us, Instagram us, email us. All that information's about to come. Most importantly, hit subscribe. Hit five stars. It really does help us if you leave a comment and like five stars. It really does. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, please. We've given you all of the hot tips. If you put bets on based on what we said, we probably owe you money. Kyle. Knock, knock, knock. Yes. Someone's at the door. It's football. Is it? Let's find out. That was the Absolute Weldy Football Podcast by Kyle Ross and Joel Samuels with theme music by Adam Janotobazowski and Amachada Patel. Absolute Weldy is dedicated to the memory of Liam Seeker. Please do remember to like, share, subscribe, follow us at Weldy Podcast on Twitter, Absolute Weldy Football Podcast on Instagram, and drop us a line anytime at absoluteweldypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Yeah, I wish uh, the Czech Republic all the best in uh, the future um, the future of the Euros. Okay.